Family, here we are again live in your living room, praise the Lord, or wherever you are watching by smartphone, iPad, whatever you got going on. Maybe I'm on your TV this morning larger than life. Wow, how about that? That's awesome. Hey, we're so glad that you are here joining us this morning. We're just excited for today. We get to worship the Lord. Again, like we said, it's been so exciting to see how many people are joining us, logging on, and uh, hearing all the testimonies as you look over the internet and different people and friends and pastors. How many people are hearing the gospel today, even in this season? So we're so blessed and so glad that you would be joining us today. We're super blessed to have our dear friend, Michael Turner with us today to lead us in worship. So we're going to dive right into this this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, if you know a friend and you haven't uh, invited them, send them a text real quick. Tell them to go to solidrockfacecenter.com and they can log on there and join us. So uh, during worship, invite somebody to log on and join us. Got a special word for us today and uh, believe God has great things in store for your life and for everyone who will be viewing today. Father, we thank you. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for another great day to worship you, to honor you. We thank you that you've given us life, you've given us help, that you protect us, you provide for us. So, Father, today we just come with thanksgiving in our heart to worship you, to magnify you, and to glorify you. So, Father, we come to lift up our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus, be exalted in all that we do. Holy Spirit, come. Let your anointing and your presence be upon all that we do. Holy Spirit, invade every home, touch every heart, and every life today in Jesus' name. Would you join me and welcome my dear friend, Michael Turner. Michael, so good to have you. I can feel it in my heart, it's racing I can feel it in the 
Father, we thank you t- today for your goodness and kindness and grace. We thank you today that we are free from fear. Father, we're free from the bondages of this earth. We thank you for liberty in our marriages, in our homes, in our community. We thank you that, that no matter what's going on around us, Lord, you are our Abba. You're watching over us. We worship you with all of our hearts today. Let's all stand wherever you are today and let's sing this song together. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Sing it out. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you, only Lord. We come to worship you alone. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only Lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord all the earth All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. All the earth's gonna sing.
It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praises. Your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath, Lord, in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only, singing great, are you Lord, singing great. Breath we could ever breathe. 
We live for you. We live for you. Sing it out. Sing it out. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say you're worthy, worthy your very breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are and fill me With your heart and lead me And your love to those around me Holy, there is no one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder Show me who you are and fill me With your heart and lead me In your love to those around me And I will build my life Upon your love It is a foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken and I will build my life upon your love it is a Upon your love, it is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken, and I will build. 
poured my life upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken good morning church on trial before Pilate Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place we go back just hours before Jesus said this and it was Simon Peter who tried to fight he drew his sword and it says he struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. He tried to fight, but it wasn't the right thing to do at that time. You know, I think about that night of Jesus' betrayal and leading up to his trial. And, you know, one tried to fight, Peter. And he would be the natural one that we would, we would think of who would just pull out a sword and start to fight. But eventually everyone ran. They all deserted him. And I was thinking about the current just situation we're in, in this world, and what's happening in our world today. And what happens when we can't fight or when we shouldn't fight, at least in the way Peter tried to fight to defend Jesus. And, and we know we shouldn't flee Although maybe every bone in our body wants to escape and flee. And part of the confusion comes because of all the noise around us and what we're listening to and what we're paying attention to, the voices out there. And I was reflecting on this. I thought about this old song from, by Wayne Watson. goes back to the 80s. Yes, that dates me a little bit. But in this song, I think the song's called That's Not Jesus, but he says this, that's not Jesus. He doesn't carry on that way. That's just some flesh and blood like you and me somehow gone astray. No, that's not Jesus. No matter what they say, he doesn't need me to defend him. He just wants me to obey. To obey, the scripture says, is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel 15 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Obedience. With obedience, steady, determined, faithful obedience, we can cut through the noise. We can cut through that noise and find joy and peace and discernment. You know, Jesus is not sweating bullets. He's not wringing his hands. The way of Jesus was steady, patient, faithful obedience. And the fruit of that obedience is joy and a calm assurance. 
And I pray that for each one of you listening today, that there would be an, a, a joy and a calm assurance and a discernment that flows out of your obedience today. Will you pray with me? Build yourselves up in the most holy faith, the scripture says. Father, I pray that we as your people would be steadfast, faithful, determined to build ourselves up in the most holy faith as we wait for your coming, your second coming. As we wait for you, help us to follow you as you would have us to, to walk in obedience to you, to cut through the chaos and confusion by tuning our ears into what you would say, Lord, not what the voices on social media and television and all the other voices that are out there today. God, that we would tune in to your still small voice and find in that we can find obedience and out of that joy and peace and fulfillment. Lord, bless your people today. Lord, we thank you for helping us to stay grounded in you, helping us to say, uh, to know that you are provision, Lord. And so whatever needs that are represented by our listeners today, that those of your church body, Lord, Lord, we pray for your miraculous provision whether that be finances, whether that be healing, Lord, physical and emotional healing and restoration, whether that be relationships needing to be healed and restored. Lord, we thank you that you are our supplier, Lord. You meet our needs today. And Lord, we look to you, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We thank you for being our supplier. We praise you for being the one who restores and renews us, Lord, continually. Lord, as we find ourselves in your presence, you are faithful to renew, to restore, and replenish your people. So, Lord, we pray today that as we continue to worship you in this time, Lord, that we would be renewed and restored and built up in the most holy faith. And we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for our mission partners all around the world today, Lord, that are are serving in, in difficult places, Lord, that are serving in challenging places, that are maybe on lo- in lockdown in different countries, Lord. We pray for them, that, they, Lord, you will use them to find creative ways, Lord, to reach the lost. Lord, that you will protect them and watch over them, that you will provide for them, Lord, and meet every need. Lord, we thank you today that you are with, Lord, our, our health providers and workers out there on the front lines. Give them wisdom, protection, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, we pray for our government leaders, Lord, our state and national leaders. Give them wisdom. And, uh, Lord, help them to make righteous, uh, righteous decisions, Lord. Lord, just and righteous decisions, God. We thank you, Lord, that for such a time as this, Lord, you have given us opportunity upon opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Well, um, we're just uh, so, so grateful that you have joined us today via live stream. And um, we have some awesome things happening, even in this time, even in this season. Um, I want to uh, remind you, those of you who have children, um, grandchildren, and uh, 
maybe right now these kids uh, are, are, are needing something to focus on. They're needing something good to put into their own hearts and, and lives. And there's, if you go on to the church uh, Facebook page, Solid Rock Facebook page, or the Solid Rock website, you can get a, uh, I think there's two weeks already that have been provided video clips of a great uh, little children's church service that they can be a part of with activities and, and a message for these kids. So um, get them, get out the iPads or whatever you need to do and, and, and the kids can focus on that and while you're uh, listening via live stream here. Um, but it's also something that you can do anytime throughout the week. Just go onto the website or Facebook page and, and and go to those links for the children. Um, also, uh, you know, ministry continues here and across the globe, and and we have some awesome things happening. Last week we mentioned that we we gave a, a an offering um, uh, to Sharwan and Rinku and their ministry in India and what they're doing, feeding and supporting families. Uh, and there's just some amazing things already. We have some photos of what, what, how God is using them to, to, to reach into the homes and the slums and just to, to bless these families and to meet some really basic but important needs and to prepare. And we believe that is preparing them to be able to share the gospel there. So it's, God is doing some great things there. Uh, so continue to pray for Sharwan and Rinku in India and what they're doing. That for they, they're on the front lines there. They're exposed daily, but we know that God is protecting them and 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 covering them. And also for um, you know we have uh, mission partners all over the world. And as a matter of fact, we have one of our mission partners with us today, Michael Turner, who has joined us. And so there's, uh, there's great ways to stay connected to, to what's happening in our world and how God is using our mission partners. And that, that takes me to the giving. And just to thank you for your generosity and your, and your tithes and offerings, uh, we're able to keep ministry moving forward here because of your generosity. And so um, you can give in a lot of different ways uh, via the website online. You can use the church uh, at giving app that you can get on your smartphone. You can uh, just do the traditional uh, write out a check and mail it in or bring it by even, but you'll need to call ahead and make sure someone's here. But there's lots of ways that you can continue in your faithfulness of giving and, and even designating um, above and beyond your tithe to uh, missionaries that we support. So, for example, if you've been blessed by Michael Turner's ministry to us today, you can actually, when you give and you go online and give or write out that check, just designate it to Michael Turner and, and his ministries and um, bless them. We want to give them a special special uh, offering today to, to bless them and, and show our appreciation for, for them, uh, for Michael's uh, coming and serving uh, today. So great ways to stay connected. Let's continue to worship today as Michael leads us in another song. Father in heaven, I run to your presence, you are all I need. I've been 
forgiven, I am accepted, you are my righteousness. I've been adopted, I am delivered, you are my hiding place, oh God. So I run to good times 
in the bad times lord i reach for you my king oh jesus you are my love you are my life lord jesus you are my love you are my life Amen. Thank you, Michael. You are so awesome. We just counted a great honor and a privilege to uh, have Michael with us. And uh, as Tim said, he is one of our missionaries. And uh, through all of this, they were actually in Tennessee uh, and scheduled to be at churches there. And they were in a two-month tour, three-month tour, two-month tour across the United States. And uh, as they travel across the United States, that's how they... Uh, uh, raise their support to be able to go throughout Europe and Asia and other countries around the world. And you were going to 11 countries this year. They were had steward uh, scheduled to be on a world tour of 11 countries. Uh, they have brand new doors opening up in Greece and in Turkey. And uh, so keep them in prayer. And uh, it uh, and then also uh, just support them. Send in a love offering and uh, help them. Eli, if you'll help me, I have a little bit of a ring in the house here. So if you'll help me by turning that down. Excuse me while we handle a little technical difficulty there in my ear. Praise the Lord. But uh, so we just want to say thank you again for your support, not just supporting Michael, but all of our missionaries. So we actually have increased our support for our missionaries this month. Uh, some of them churches are just feeling that challenge, but we live to give and we love to give. And uh, the only way I know how to make it through all these years is just by continuing to give. So, Michael, we love you, appreciate you, and uh, again, so thankful for you here. So, when you're home, you're home with us, man. So, we love having you. We really appreciate that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, did you bring your Bibles? Let's make our declaration this morning. We're going to get into a brand new, uh, I'm starting a mini-series this morning. It's kind of interesting. I actually started it uh, writing on this as we were doing our men's Bible study and some things coming up and just in my personal devotional time and a lot of questions about stuff. But the title of this is, What is God Doing in the Earth? And that's a lot of people uh, have questions about that today. What is going on? What is God doing? What is happening? And so we're going to tie this a little bit into Bible prophecy, but maybe take it from a different uh, avenue or direction than you have heard before. And uh, so we want to do that. So let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Amen. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Father, that in these next few moments that we have as we open the word, I thank you for wisdom, clarity, insight in each and every person's eyes. I thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what the Spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, and everybody where they are said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 16, and this isn't in there, but I, I just uh, was reading this last night as I went to bed. In verse 9 through 11 says, Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. 
For you will not leave my soul in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So I just want to encourage you, keep yourself connected to the presence of God. Whatever you have to do to remind yourself, refresh yourself, keep yourself connected and, and, and uh, staying and just enjoying the presence of God. And God will bless you with his word and his promises being fulfilled in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me preface my message this morning by stating uh, that we need to remember the main function and the, what the main function and purpose of the church is. And there's so many areas when we look at the church and uh, I, I just put down a couple things and, and it's it. So number one, it's not to be a social services entity. We're not a social services entity. We're not here to compete with the government or to be another program that provides for everybody's needs. We do those things to the best that we can, but we're not a social services entity. Secondly, we're not a humanitarian organization. We do and meet and minister to humanitarian need. We help in disasters. We help in times like this. But that is not the main purpose of the church. Social service and humanitarian needs are not the main purpose of the church. Uh, we are not a counseling center. We are not here to have counsel to fix every person's problem, to fix your marriage, to fix your finances. We will help you to the best we can. In all of those areas, we want you to have successful marriages, successful relationships. We want you to be successful in how you conduct your finances so that when times like this come, you are more than prepared and ready for seasons that challenge us. Like Joseph, you've learned how to store plenty, uh, how to store up in times of plenty. So if there's a season of famine, you're prepared to make it through it victorious. And even in that season, not just having enough for yourself. Think about Joseph's preparation. Not only did he have enough for himself, but all the the nations of the world and everybody around came and ate out of that preparation. And uh, so they were, he was able to bless even in a time of famine. That's the will of God for our life. But that's not our main purpose of the church. The church doesn't exist for those purposes, for social services, humanitarian service, personal helps and counseling needs and all those things. We do our best to do that. Th those are para things that we do. The main purpose of the church and the ministry is to preach the gospel and to prepare people for eternity. That's our goal. Uh, the, main, the church exists to prepare you for eternity. And that every person in this earth, every person walking upon this earth would know the truth and be prepared to enter into eternity and to, be, to spend eternity with their heavenly father. God created every person to be in an eternal relationship with him. And that's our purpose. So to prepare people for eternity and the coming of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, whether they go into it or it comes to them. So it, it, either way, we're going to go into the kingdom of God if the Lord tarries until and we pass away in, in this life. And, 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 uh, but we're going to enter into the kingdom to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But the Bible tells us there are those who are going to be alive and the kingdom is going to come to there. And then we're all going to be joined together. The goal is, is that we want to make sure people are prepared. For the kingdom. So this morning, and coming to understand what's God doing in the earth, that's exactly what he's doing. He's preparing people for eternity with him. 
I want you to hear that Jesus really preached one message. He did a lot of things. He ministered. He fed people. He did things. Healed the sick. Did all that. But he preached one message. And in Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 and verse 23, it says, From that time, Jesus coming out of the wilderness, says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or in other words, get your life straight, make the changes that you need, and be prepared to receive the kingdom or to enter into the kingdom. In verse 23 it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Not just the gospel of how to have a good life here. Not, not just about here. He, he, he wanted people outside. And you're going to see it in a few moments. He wanted people out thinking outside of their parenthetical space of time that we live in. And so stay with me here. But he pre- preaching the gospel of the king and in the process healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases amongst the people. So he's ministering to the, the, the essential immediate needs of people. But he was setting their hearts and their minds and their focus on the kingdom to be kingdom ready. Praise the Lord. You see, the kingdom is at hand and repent is what he declared. Or in other words, he was saying, make yourself ready. Make preparation and live with anticipation. This is the primary purpose of the church, to make God's people kingdom ready, to help them live with kingdom awareness in preparation and anticipation of its arrival, looking for the return of the Lord. Amen. We're supposed to be looking for and expecting our whole life. We're supposed to be anticipating the Lord can come back at any moment and live in a ready fashion. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says this. Now may the God of peace sanctify you. The word sanctify means to set you apart for specific purpose. Set you apart for himself. May God set you apart for himself. May the work of the Holy Spirit and the regenerating work of God be so strong in your life that you literally know you're being set apart by God for himself. Being sanctified you. Complete. Now listen. Completely. May your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless. What is the purpose of the church? My goal as a pastor is to help you be in a place that you're living in that preservation relationship with God where your spirit, your soul, and your body are being preserved blameless in righteousness, ready for Him. Look at blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Praise God. You know, God is faithful to do exactly what He's declared he would do in our lives hallelujah James chapter 5 verses 7 and 8 says this therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord be patient until the coming of the Lord patience means to to, to have a consistency to possess your vessel to walk right before God to not be up and down moving but have a, a, a spirit of consistency in your life where you're able to maintain on, on, on a level plane with God. Christians the up and down. Oh, the virus, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. This is a real test to see whether you have faith or just religion. That's what I said on the first service. This is proving whether I have religion or I really have faith. These type of situations test our religion or they prove our faith in God. What's coming out of your mouth? How are you responding to that? Are you afraid to go out? I go out and I'm watching stuff. I say, man, this is a crack up. I'm watching people and all the different things going on. And, and, and uh, I, I actually, uh, people going, oh, we have to be careful, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm going, wait a minute, let's just, let's just stop and think. Let me just give you this statistic right here. 
This virus has affected 2% of our population, 2% of 330 plus million people. Out of that 2%, 5% of that 2% have passed away, according to the numbers that they're giving us. But the numbers they're giving us is anybody passing away at this time in a hospital is being declared as a COVID-related situation. And so those numbers are very small. Even those that have passed away is one-tenth of one percent of our entire population. So I'm put you like this. Now we have a whole nation. And then they're saying that 98% of the people that contract this thing actually survive from it. So you have a 98% chance of not getting it. And you have a 98% chance of not dying from it. Those are the best odds you could almost, that's almost 100% safety. But people are in mass fear over something like that. And so as a believer, I have to have faith in God and stand strong in God. That's the purpose of the church is for us not just to meet your need, but I need to help you to have faith in God to say, hey, you know what? My Bible says that if I drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. If I'm bitten by a serpent, I'm not going to die. I was telling Michael before service, bless God, COVID-19 is nothing. I survived the bubonic plague and hepatitis C, 14 car wreck before I got saved. Man, I'm the end destructible man <laughs> but but along those lines when you're fulfilling God's purpose in your life you're living to fulfill God's purpose God places that he puts hedges of protection around us. what are you declaring and proclaiming in your life declare the provision of God and the protection of God over your life yes. do not live in fear the only fear you are supposed to live in is reverential Fear of the Lord. Yes. Amen. And God gives us, he declared, because he wants us to have a respectful fear of who he is, of his holiness, of his righteousness, and what he declared is going to come to pass. And the reason we have that is so that we will not that we will be able to escape what is coming. Hallelujah. I wasn't planning on preaching. I wrote all this out because I have a lot to say this morning, but praise the Lord. Amen. Michael's got me fired up this morning. Amen. So I want to encourage you, read all of 1 Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians is a great book just talking about the coming of the Lord. And so the whole chapter points us, and Paul is writing to the church there in Thessalonica and saying, hey, be ready, be looking for the coming of the Lord. So here's where we are today as we dive into this. With every major event in the world, people ask questions like these. Are we in the end times? You go, these are the end times, this is it. When is the Lord coming back? We ask that question. Is the Lord coming back? I have some people say the Lord's not coming back. He's continually coming in us, and we're supposed to be establishing the kingdom. There is no eternity. There is no hell. There is no death. And those people, with all the ni nicest way I can say it, is they're just stuck on stupid. Amen. So watch it. Do Christian people, do Christians go through the great tribulation? Those are questions that come up. Is this the great tribulation? People ask, what about the rapture and the catching away of the saints? Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Is it no-trib? Is, is it ongoing? So all those questions. People say, will there be a one-world government? That question comes up. Is this the beginning of a one-world government? Are they trying to crash the economy? Are, are they trying to embed us with a chip and do all that stuff? Who is the Antichrist? What is the mark of the beast? Is Bill Gates the false prophet? No. But think about that. We have all those questions that surround prophecy and what the Bible is told, a foretelling of what is to come to pass. 
So how do we discern all that? How do we break all that down? One of the main issues that creates confusion when it comes to the study of eschatology or Bible prophecy and end times events is that God left a lot of blanks in what he revealed to us. The reason for that is because we're not supposed to have all the answers. We're supposed to live by faith. God gives us enough information of what is to come so that we will live by faith looking forward to it, not having the answer. Because our nature is that when we know what everything is, is we know that the Lord is coming next Thursday at 3.30 p.m. and, and we just need to be ready. We will be slothful. And we will put off everything we can until 3.15 next Thursday afternoon. Then we'll repent, then we'll get right, and then we'll do everything. But the reason the Lord says and leaves the blanks that He does is because you don't know. He's not telling you. And then He gives us a prescription for how to live in order to be ready. So we live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And that's how we approach those blanks in Scripture. So when we live with an awareness and with an expectation of what is coming and so that we are prepared. See, we always want to fill in the blanks. When people start asking all those questions, they want to fill in the blanks. And when we don't get the answers, we tend to disregard what's been revealed. I have some friends that say, well, if the Lord was coming back, he would have come by now. Well, Jesus actually gave a parable about that. He gave several parables about the Lord delaying his coming. He's been gone a long time, and they begin to be lack. They begin to eat and streak and be merry, meaning to run around because they thought he was taking too long, and because it's been so long, he's not coming back. Let me just tell you, the Lord's coming. My advice is be prepared. Yes. Amen. Whether it has anything to do with this current event, and anytime there's a global crisis or an event like this, all the Bible prophecy gurus start speaking up. Everybody has their ideas, and everybody starts filling in blanks with the current circumstances of the day. You're not supposed to fill in blank. You're just supposed to be looking for His coming and living prepared. Praise the Lord. So stay with me here. So in this, think about this. The, the, the disciples, and, and it hasn't changed since then. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven. And here he is, he's giving them their final, he's on the Mount of Olives. He's giving them their final uh, uh, kind of instructions and details, telling them to go and tarry in Jerusalem. And this is the question that they ask. Acts chapter 1 and uh, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you, listen to this, at this time. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And that's a question everybody asks. What's God doing here? Is this the time? Is this it? Is it looking for? And we're caught up in looking for that. But I want you to listen to the Lord's answer. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples. And this is what you need to hone on as well. Every one of us as Christians, how are we supposed to be living our lives? How are we supposed to be conducting ourselves in regards to what God is doing in the earth? This is what Jesus said. He said to them, it's not for you to know times and seasons. But I want to know times and seasons. I want to know all the answers. Michael, I want to fill all that in. Why is God doing that? Tell me all the answers. When is this? What is that? What does this mean? He said, you don't need to know any of that. He told you that so you would know that there is an end and there is a culmination of all things. And then he told us how to live. But listen to what he said to his disciples. It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 
Or Jesus is saying, I don't even know that. The Father has his authority, I have my authority, and the Holy Spirit has his authority. Or in other words, God is doing, has some certain specific things that belong to the Father. There are specific things that belong to the work and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are specific things that belong to the Holy Spirit. And so what God does in our life, and let me just throw this in right here. This is where we have a lot of confusion. Because we never separate things for clarification. God gives us the ability to separate and to break down the Word of God for the purpose of clarification so that after we separate, we can clarify what we have, have learned and then we can bring unification back, bring those truths back together in unification, which produces glorification. And so in that, when you understand the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's just like, and I wanna, I'm just going to uh, uh, just go off track here just for a second. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And when he gets to verse 4, he says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God. So he breaks down gifts of the Spirit, ministries of the Lord, and activities of God. And so in that, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you take those, that's Romans 12 in the activities of God, Ephesians 4 in the ministries of Christ, and 1 Corinthians 12 in the gifts of the Spirit. So, so, that's the, the, so you get separation for clarification, and then you bring them back, and you understand the fullness of what God is doing in the earth, and you live in the glory of that fullness. Are you with me? And so I know this morning I'm going a little deep. I'm teaching and I'm preaching together and I'm praying you're taking this to heart and paying attention in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So watch this. So the, when that comes, we need to understand Bible prophecy is always in part. It's never complete. It is always in part or incomplete, hear me, with just enough information to make us look for it with anticipation of it happening and to live in a life prepared for it to happen. Or in other words, we're always supposed to be living when you read what we read in James and what Paul said, it was be ready right now. Live ready right now. Don't find an excuse to, to let up, to back off. Live ready right now. So think about that. For it is always declared as an unexpected and a possible imminent return. An imminent return, and, and Sean and I talked about it this week on our time together. The imminent return of the Lord means at any moment. The Lord could return at any moment. That's why I say the day of the Lord is at hand. Be ready. Be watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Live ready. It could happen at any moment. My grandfather used to preach, and those of you who have been to church here very long, you've heard me say it. Every year at the beginning of the year, my grandpa Byron would preach, this could be the year that the Lord returned. He never wanted to forget. We are living and looking forward to and expecting with anticipation the return of the Lord. We are sojourners passing through. This is not our home. Quit digging roots too deep into this earth, trying to hold on and build something for yourself here. You're not connected here. You're connected to an eternal hope and an eternal glory in heaven with God. And our focus and our attention should be on going to spend eternity with Him, not living for 200 years here. Glory to God. If you live to be 200 years, you're just going to be an old wrinkled prune anyway. Come on, believe God. God for a glorified body. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So think about this. 
We're living in part. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come. So we're living our lives in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So what we have is that in that part, just the, the portion of that. He said in verse 12, he said, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. So we'll never know everything here, but there's coming a day when we will know all things. People go, I know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus the question. No, you're not. You're going to know. You're not going to have the question. You're going to know as you are known. You're going to go, oh, yeah, everybody's just going to have that light bulb aha moment. Then you get to heaven. Okay, I get it now. Makes sense now. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. So as Christ was offered once to bear the sins for many to those who eagerly await for him. For those who eagerly await for him. He will appear a second time. To those who are eagerly waiting for him, he will appear a second time. Are you eagerly awaiting? Are you anticipating? Are you expecting his coming? I am. Yes. I bet. I teased with my friend Bill Thomas. <laughs> he uh, uh, does fitness training and that. And uh, he was posting this video of these guys doing these different jumping jacks and stuff. I said, man, those are, those are awesome uh, exercises for rapture practice. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to get too tied down to this. I'm going to keep my roots cut off. Be able to lighten your load. Amen. Think about it. Hallelujah. So he will appear a second time. Listen, apart from sin for salvation. He's coming a second time apart from sin. Apart from coming the first time he came to redeem us from our sin. The second time he's coming for salvation, for the salvation, the completion of all things. Where death is swallowed up in victory, the whole consummation of everything, he's coming back to complete the finished work. Praise the Lord. See, the message of Scripture is for us to live and to conduct our lives in preparation again with that expectation of fulfillment. I know I'm saying this over and over, but I believe the Lord wants it to get down inside of you of what has been revealed. Not that we need to know every detail of the when, where, what, and how of the Scripture. Because God does everything at the appointed time. That's all you need to know. Everything God has done has happened at the appointed time. Or as the Bible says, in the fullness of time. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, when the fullness of time had come, he sent forth his son. At the fullness of time. So you have over 300 prophetic words connected to the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ prophesied before his coming that are all fulfilled in his coming, which was at the appointed time. Hear it again. Or at the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And the first declaration of that was in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 says this, listen to this, having made known to us the mystery of his will, 
What is that? I can't understand God's will. Listen to what Paul says. God has made known to us the mystery. It's not supposed to be mysterious. It's been made known to us. Sean and I shared it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses uh, 9 through 12 or so you can read it. That the Holy Spirit has been given us to reveal those things to us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would show everything that he has received from the Father would reveal that to us. But having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Listen. Which he purposed in himself. Now listen. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time. A dispensation, a dispensation is a time period in which God deals with man in a specific way. So, so the, the, we are in the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the dispensation of the Gentile, the dispensation of the church. God is working collectively in all of those areas during this time, and there, there'll be, and so that, that has a time frame in His purpose. Stay with me. And so watch that. In the dispensation of the fullness of times. Why? That he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Which both are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. So God's doing that heaven and earth are connected in the prophetic plan of God. Everything God is doing on the earth has a heavenly connection and purpose to it. So there's an unending list of questions and opinions surrounding Bible prophecy and end time events. Many have drawn their own conclusions and shaped their arguments in defense of their findings and based on their personal convictions attained through their study and research of the scripture. People study, you're going to hear a million different views on that. And, and I'm not really going in to tell you this means this, that means that, this is a symbol of this, that, that's an allegory of that, and, and it says this, but it means this. We're not going there. We're going to keep this real basic and simple because there's clarity that God gives us from his word. But today I want to join with the company of Luke when he declared this in the opening of his gospel to the life of Christ. Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Inasmuch has been taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses of the ministers of the word delivered to them, delivered them to us, it seemed good to me. That's what I'm telling you. It just seems good to me to do this, my friend. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that perfect understanding. What I'm giving you is what Luke said here. I'm going to give you an orderly account of what God is doing in the earth and break it down for you to bring clarity to your understanding. So he says, an orderly account, almost excellent Theophilus, that you may, watch it, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. What an amazing statement. We should know the certainty of the things that we're instructed of in the world. Not have questions, not have doubt, not have fear, not have anxiety, worry, stress, or any of that. Certainty is what makes us rooted and grounded and stable and consistent in our walk with God. Praise the Lord. See, when it comes to having correct understanding, it's imperative for us to filter everything through God's eternal purpose. God is accomplishing His eternal... What is God doing in the earth? He is fulfilling His eternal purpose. So watch it. So if you want to have an orderly account... Because everything begins with God in eternity past and ends with us with Him in eternity future. When you read this book, 
It begins in eternity past. In the beginning, God. So God was there. So this is a list of what God is doing. But before it lists what he was doing, he was. His name is I am. In fact, I heard a statement. You know what the most complete sentence is that you can declare? Two words. I am. <laughs> I read that the other day. Man, that is powerful. When Jesus said I am, that's a complete one. That's a complete statement. That's the shortest complete sentence in English language. But, but, but this begins in eternity path, future path, and it ends in eternity future. And what's happening in between is God's fulfilling his eternal purpose in the earth. And so we're going to define for you a little bit of what I believe that eternal purpose is. Praise the Lord. So watch it. So we have to break everything down through that. So for everything begins with in, in, in with that. While we traverse this life, we're in this parenthetical space called time where God is, God is accomplishing all things according to his eternal purpose. Now, a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, I drew this out, so I put it back up this morning, and I want you to walk through it again. Guys, if you'll switch over this camera, but so I drew it up here. Here's the key. We began in eternity past. Scripture begins in eternity past. It ends in eternity future. You and I right now in all of humanity since the fall of Adam. And actually, if you would, in the garden before the fall, before Genesis 3, man was living in eternity past with God. Man was eternal in the garden before the fall. After the fall, we enter into a parenthetical space called time. But in between eternity past and eternity future... God has an eternal purpose that he is fulfilling. And that's what we have to understand. We are living in God's eternal purpose being fulfilled. And we have a part of that. So a couple of weeks, I'm just going to throw this in here real quick, and then we'll dive in. So when we come to the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, we see God working with a nation called Israel. And Israel it has interaction with nations. But everything and every promise in the covenant to Israel is connected to an earthly hope and an earthly promise. We come into the New Testament and we come into the age of the church. We're in the church age. And this is a new covenant built on better promises and sealed in the blood of Jesus. This is all through the sacrificial blood of animal. And so in this area. But the church is God dealing with individuals. Everything about the church is individual. Michael goes into nations. He doesn't go into nations to change nations. He goes into nations to reach individuals in nations. To preach the gospel to people. The, 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 what God is doing, his eternal purpose, is that every person in every nation would be brought into his eternal purpose. And so in that. And so, but every promise to every individual in the church, in the new covenant, is heavenly, it is not earthly. You do not have an earthly promise in the New Testament with God. You have earthly authority to walk through this earth and not to be bound and to walk above this and walk through the circumstance. We exercise authority in the earth, but our hope is heavenly. And so in that, and so what you have to understand Bible prophecy, and I'll get back to the purpose part in a minute, but when it comes to Bible prophecy, especially understanding what God is doing in the earth, this is where people mess it up. It, the prophecy is like a set of train tracks. 
And so there's two tracks, and what's riding on this train track is the train of God's eternal purpose. And it's two track. God is doing something in Israel, and he's doing something through the church. And so there's a parallel purpose between Israel and the nation. And a train rides on the track to an appointed destination. The appointed destination is the fulfillment of all things. What happens is, though, is that people, because there's blanks in prophecy, what people do is they say, hey, I know what has happened. I'm going to start filling in the blank. So now we come up with replacement theology, where the church begins to replace Israel, and there's no longer a parallel purpose for the church and for Israel. And so we turn prophecy from a dual train track into a monorail. And a train with two sets of a train designed to run on two sets of tracks cannot run on a monorail. It will disrail. And that's what happened. Because replacement theology comes short of getting to the final destination. And when you come into replacement theology, what you have to do is you have to start changing what Scripture says. Well, it says this, but it means this. It says this, but it means... No, it means exactly what it says. You're just trying to fill in the blank to fit your own preconceived idea of what you think God's eternal purpose is and what He should be doing in the earth. Hallelujah. So, watch this. So, that helps us just a little bit to understand that. And we'll get back to that in just a little bit. So, listen to me. Paul said this, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. I want you to hear it. Listen to this. Paul says, to me who am less than all the saints, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. So in eternity past, before the beginning of the ages, God had this mystery. The Bible also says, I can't have time to put all the scripture in there. We'll cover a lot of it as we go on in this little ministry. But, but in all of this, Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. So God was doing things prior to the creation of man and earth and everything happening here. In eternity past, this mystery that's being revealed, God Ordained. Now watch. From which the beginning of the ages had been hidden, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now what? Look at these next words. To the intent. All of this was done. Come back over here with me, guys. All of this was done. Eternity passed. Everything God designed in his eternal purpose. Back here. Everything was designed that now God's eternal purpose to the intent that through the church. That through the church, God's going to make known. This eternal mystery that he designed, that's part of his eternal purpose, that is connected to Israel and the church. Why Israel? Why church? Why Israel? Because what God is doing is an eternal plan, not a time plan. Everything that's happening in the earth, I'm sorry to say, is not just about humanity. It's not just about mankind. We are not, how can I say it? God's purpose doesn't evolve around in us. We're, we're, we're not the nucleus or the center of his universe. We're part of his eternal purpose. He's accomplishing something. And I have just a couple minutes to give you kind of an introduction to next week on this. So watch that. To the intent that now... 
Wow, I love that. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. The wisdom of God is to be made known by the church where? To the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So the eternal purpose of God in the mystery, and we're talking about Bible prophecy, things we're reading, are connected to a mystery that was said here that principalities and power didn't even understand. So God's working out this purpose and is revealing something through the church that's even blowing the minds of principalities and powers in heavenly places. Glory to God. Woo! Now what? How is he doing that? According to the eternal purpose. There it is. He's revealing through the church the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So let me give you three things that Paul said right here. One, he declares there's a fellowship in the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages that has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ. Secondly, that the mystery is now being made known by the church, you and me, to all principalities and power. I just, God, are you kidding me? You say, well, why do I, I mean, God, the creator of everything you can see, wanting to be in your life, inviting you to accept him into your life. God says, accept me. People say, well, I got saved. No, you got saved at Calvary. You just accepted your salvation. But and God is, this is what God is asking. Would you invite me into your life? If you will invite me into your life, I will make you a part of my eternal purpose. <laughs> and through your life, I'm going to reveal to principalities and power what I've hidden from in the, <laughs> glory, in ages past. I'm like, how, you got to think about this? You got to be kidding me. Sign me up. Praise the Lord. Now what? It's all according, thirdly, he said, it is all according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says this, listen to this. That we live in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God promised eternal life before time began began it was in his eternal purpose god doesn't create anything to stay in time everything god is eternal everything he creates has the stamp of eternity upon it that's why he has to redeem heaven and earth that's why there has to be a new heaven and a new earth because god doesn't create things to pass away Everything he creates is stamped by the nature of who he is, which is eternal, which is why you have an eternal soul, which is why the gospel is so important and the church is not just supposed to be doing social service and humanitarian and family help and needs and all that stuff. We're supposed to be helping you get your eternal soul ready for eternal redemption into God's presence. Hallelujah. So think about it. So our hope is anchored in a promise made before time. And when you understand that, then you can understand statements like the Apostle Paul who said, you know what? Everything he was going through, when you're going through all this stuff, when you understand the eternal purpose of God, you can just stand and say, hey, none of these things move me. 
None of the, I'm, I'm connected to an eternal God. I'm part of his eternal plan. He's adopted me into his family. I'm a son. I'm in there. I'm a joint heir with Christ. How can anything in this world change my destiny in God? Hallelujah. Woo. Hey, we're having church. I hope you're having fun where you are. Praise the Lord. So watch it. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this earth or the kingdom of man. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, say, repent, the kingdom of heaven at hand. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness, say, verse 10, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verses 19 through 20, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches men to do so shall be least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever doesn't teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. My friend, we're supposed to be living. The purpose of the church is to help people to live, to be ready to enter the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. See, those are just a few of over 160 references to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God in the New Testament. With the most significant one being the last time Jesus mentioned his kingdom to Pilate. Pastor Tim read it in the offering this morning, surprising. Pilate said, am I a Jew? John chapter 18, verse 35-36. Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Wow. So the question now arises, why does God need to send his son to establish a new kingdom or to reestablish his kingdom on earth among men? The question about the kingdom and the who, what, when, where, and why that accompany these questions is where man's opinions and conclusions begin to fragment and scatter all over the place and all over the religious spectrum. So how do we find clarity and understanding and unity? I believe it can only be by going back to the beginning and walking through scriptures with God's eternal purpose as the filter. For our findings and conclusions. If we don't go back, guys, if we don't filter everything through the eternal purpose of God, everything gets messed up. So when did the, why does God have to have eternal purpose? Why does he have to create earth? Why does he create man? What happens here? And I'm out of time this morning, but I'm going to give you this. So again, the purpose of the scriptures, God's word, is to reveal his purpose and plan to man. God is letting us in on what he's doing in the earth and why he's doing it. He also reveals how we fit into this plan. We're engaged with an eternal creator. Mike, if you'll come back and just play quietly, please. Because we, we're engaged with an eternal creator. Because we live outside of eternity in a place called time, the concept of eternity is hard to grasp with our finite minds. We're trapped in this parenthetical space called time our whole life. Your life, my, shape, my life is shaped by beginnings and endings. And yet we're engaged with the God. We're called into a relationship with the God 
who has no beginning or end. We live in beginnings and endings. And God calls us into a relationship with Him as the one who has no beginning and no end. I'm going to just briefly show you something. Michael plays. I want you to watch it. I didn't have time to get to it this morning, but in eternity past, we'll read, there was a rebellion in heaven. Satan and his angels rebelled against God. God cast him down to the earth. Here, eternity future is a redeemed heaven. God's eternal purpose is to purge heaven of what happened in eternity past. Satan's rebellion against God contaminated heaven. God being righteous and just can never defend himself. He can't act on behalf of himself in order to behold. He can't have self-defense, self-justification, self-preservation. He can't act outside of the nature of his holiness. Everything you read that God does, he always does behalf and in defense of somebody else. He watches for the poor. He cares for the weak. He lifts up. Everything God does is for the benefit of, never for the benefit of himself. What did Jesus do? Jesus came doing nothing for himself, everything for him. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So God in his nature, even when it comes to judging Satan, he can't just judge Satan between him and the devil because that's a personal issue. And God can't defend himself personally. Watch this. Stay with me. So what does he do? His eternal purpose is to have a creation on earth that the devil would begin begin to attack. When God judges the devil at the end, it will not be because of the conflict with God in the beginning. It will be because of his conduct here on earth and how he fought against humanity. Satan will be judged for his, the way he's treated God's creation, not for the way he's treated God. And God's judgments are always righteous and just. It's an amazing thing. When the Bible says that God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, the devil was the leader of worship in heaven past. Worship was polluted in heaven. The one thing that God has redeemed through the church is worship. And when we get to heaven, the church, the redeemed, are taking the place of the fallen angels and the worship. And heaven's going to be purified and glorified again, my friend. And so I'm just giving you a brief overview of some of the things we're going to walk you through in there. But today I just want to pray with you. This is my question to you today. Are you kingdom ready? Are you kingdom ready? If the Lord was to return right now, are you ready to meet him? If today's the day, are you ready today right where you're at? I don't care whether you say you're saved, you're not saved, you've never been saved. I don't care. I really don't. Because I don't know your heart. Only you know your heart. Only you know where you are in your relationship with God right now. Nobody else. So my question to you, are you ready? Three things. First John chapter 1. 
says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through his blood. Secondly, Romans 10, 8, 9, and 10. What saith that the word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thirdly, be water baptized. The Bible says repent and be baptized and live with faith towards God. Hebrews 6 and verse 1 says, laying aside the repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Repent from what is dead and turn and live with faith towards God. That's how you live kingdom ready. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person right now in the name of Jesus that's been watching this broadcast. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, every heart would be open. Father, today we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, as I pray for them right now, I pray that by your spirit, you're moving upon every heart. Father, if there's anyone that needs to just ask for your forgiveness, Father, I pray that they would just do it right now. They would stand on your word that says, if we repent, you are faithful to forgive. So Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We thank you for the shed blood. Father, today we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, believing that you raised him from the dead, conquering and setting us free from the wages of sin and death. And Father, today we purpose to die to the old man, declare it through baptism, and then to live in newness of life, walking in faith towards you, expecting and longing to see your return. In Jesus' name. My friend, right where you are, if you'll just ask God and thank Him and receive Him, you're saved. Saved from your past, saved in your present, and saved with the promise of your future. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Michael just to lead us in whatever God's put on his heart. Would you just... Stand just for a moment, maybe right there in your living room. Maybe you're uncomfortable, but just close your eyes and act like you're in church. But just act like you're there. And I just want to worship God and just thank Him just for a moment today. Come on, this could be the day that the Lord returned. We could be so close. Let's just worship God for a moment. As Father in heaven run to your presence you are all I need I've been forgiven I am accepted you are my righteousness I've been adopted I am delivered you are my hiding place Oh God, so I run to
shepherd of my heart, defender of my soul, you are everything. I've been forgiven, I am accepted, you are my righteousness. I've been adopted, I am delivered, you are my hiding place, oh God. So I run to Thank you for coming to be the door. You said, I'm the door, and we can enter in through you to the Father's presence. I thank you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to the Father through you. We love you. We give you praise today. Father, I pray your blessing over your people, over their homes, over their lives, over their health. Lord, I speak peace in Jesus' name into every home, into every heart and life. In the name of Jesus, let peace be upon you. In Jesus' name, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, if you would go online and uh, maybe make a special offering towards Michael. We just love them. We're supporting them. We're uh, blessing them today. We'd love to do more than what we've already done. So thank you so much. Thank you for faithfully supporting the church. Thank you for helping us help our missionaries in everything they're doing. Thank you for helping us maintain ministry here. But thank you for your generosity and your love that's helping us do more than just that. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Pastor Tim and I will be together Wednesday night. Join us at 630. God bless you.